Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... Mogive. Mogive? <laughs> hey, you know what? This is not the month of November. This is the month of Movember. This is the month where you need to get yourself right on down to that little place they call the internet and sign up for MoGive. That is M-O-G-I-V. Speaking of that, Pete, have you been waiting to get your church started? You know, your Chinese baby church started with online giving? Actually, I have. How did you know? Well, I had a dream about it. Have you been using a PayPal as cheap and an easy placeholder for uh, your new church plant? As a matter of fact, we have been using PayPal. Pete, stop it. Stop okay. it now. Okay. A better solution is here. It's MoGive. Spelled M-O-G-I-V. <laughs> Do you ever see Rockstar? It's probably not the right movie to reference on the Church Planner podcast, but you did. totally reminded me of it right there. I never did, but I was, I was kind of going for the 80s hairband thing, you know? Kind of like wrecking ball operator. But hey, MoGive is an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches and ungrowing ones. <laughs> <laughs> Go to MoGive.com forward slash church to learn more. And by the way, just a little extra sugar on sprinkled on top of that. You need to know that this is the time of year to think about online giving for your church, especially because MoGive offers recurring giving 
from an easy to use website. So get on down to mogive.com forward slash church and check it out during the month of Movember. Mogive. That's Mogive, Pete. Mogive. M-O-G-I-V. You know, here's yeah. the funny thing is everyone in the world is going to know when they stop sponsoring the Church Planner Podcast because they're going to be like, you know, we looked forward to those commercials. It was our favorite part of the show. It's certainly better than when you two are jabbering about who knows what. Yes, it probably is. But I don't even think that's very good. So um, before we get into our topic, we, of course, have our, our usual banter that we do. But um, I know you've been wanting to, like, give people a heads up as to what we are going to be talking about. So maybe you should just tell them, hey, here's what we're going to be talking about. But we got some banter to do before then. Yeah, yeah. Hulk Hogan will tell us all about it. But here's the deal. The first thing that I want to do is tell you all there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. We will talk about church planning. And what we're going to talk today's show, what we're going to talk about today is the uh, run up to the holidays and what you ought to be doing for your church plan. It is an opportune time. So seasonal outreach, uh, the lead up to Christmas, whatever you want to call it. People think of a better name because mine's lame. But that's our topic. I like it. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you going to do when the Church Planner Podcast runs wild on you? I think what we should do for our smack talk today is I think we should just start talking smack about all these other professional church planter speakers. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I would very much love to run other people down publicly. Of course. I, I was thinking the other day that that could be my ministry. You know, I feel God's been calling me to just <sighs> humble people. You know, my my buddy used to say this. Humble uh, people like myself. My buddy who, who was the Navy SEAL, who I don't believe he served in active duty as a SEAL. Though I do know he went on to work for the Pentagon and was over in Afghanistan a lot. But I... You know, when you're at that level, I don't think he's I don't think he was active, but he used to say this. He was he was very much a Christian. And he would say, um, how do I know that God doesn't want you to be humbled and he doesn't want to use me to humble you? <laughs> now, if anyone ever comes into your church plan and says that to you, kick them out right then. Find a reason. Say, I don't like people with brown hair. You have to leave. He was saying that for uh, like before the uh, altercations turned physical. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, he was a seal. So they, they did themselves you know, a lot of fighting there. It, it's funny because, you know, you, you know that I had an altercation this week with another leader. And um, the way that the leader was talking, like, I'll be honest, like, you know, like I'm never honest on the show. Right. Like I so wanted to punch him. But it was over the phone, and I really wanted to punch him in the head. And what was cool is I woke up the next morning totally just like, you know, because I was like, I don't want to be bitter over this, you know. And the next morning I wake up, and I've got all this grace and forgiveness for him. And I'm like, you know, he's just who he is, and, you know, whatever. And Lord, you know, but and I felt this love and grace in my heart. But I just always trip out on how Christian leaders talk an act where it's like it's so political and it's so like they're lawyers, you know, and they they they've got it down to an art how to to try to handle and manipulate and they can't just talk straight, you know. And I I because I deal with a lot of non-believers and what I do, 
with church planning, I always marvel because I'm like, dude, if you spent more time around non-believers and you tried to talk that way to them, they just punch you. They just punch you right in the head. So sometimes I, I feel that same thing when I'm talking to leaders and I always trip out like, how have you made it so far? It must be because you're around Christians who won't punch you in the head. But the real world, that's not how you talk to people. You know what I'm well, saying? Yeah, I think it's more than just being around people who won't punch you in the head. I, I think it stems from uh, people being treated like little demigods. I mean, I still remember that one conference you and I went to, and we were sitting at the table at dinner. We were both emotionally exhausted because we had just done like, I don't know, 10 interviews with church planners and just like the stories of what they'd been doing was incredible. Uh, I think that's also when we did Zibunda, uh, Saeed, Pastor Saeed's sister. It and was. That, that guy, was, that, was that, a... that senior pastor sitting at that table, I wanted to like wring his neck. <laughs> Do you remember that? You know the one I'm talking I about? It, man. I can see you just like, you're, weren't you sitting right next to him? No, I was sitting right across from him. I was sitting next to Barney Fife who you and I ended up just loving that dude. He was like, oh, well, this is what yeah. we're doing. And we're like, oh, crap, dude. Because he was like, they were doing some crazy stuff um, in Mexico, like crossing the border into Mexico. And yeah. uh, But no, there was that other guy, and he was like, I just remember him talking. He was so belittling to his assistant pastor who was there at the table. And I get, you know, like when when you're friends with people, sometimes you're, you know, like you and I, we, we make the joke that we've got the right amount of respect and disrespect for each other. Right. But we also are careful, too. Usually we're careful about who we do that in front of. Right. It's not like yeah. we would never do that in front of total strangers. And it was like, I don't even know you. And you're making this guy look like an inch tall. And you just seem like yeah. a total jerk for doing that. And then I remember him talking about. Oh, yeah, you know, I just met this gal. And she's like, oh, I didn't know there was a church over there on that corner. And he's like, yeah, all 18,000 square feet. You know, obviously, like, bragging about how big his church is and how dumb she is for not knowing that that's a church. And I'm, like, thinking in my head, I'm like, it's not her responsibility to know you've got a church there. It's your responsibility for her to know you've got a church there. So, really, you look like the idiot for, like, bragging about your 18,000 square foot church and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. and, I so sometimes I just I don't know I, I I think it's not like like they're not like that around other people but it's just people just like bow down and worship but I think that's like I don't even know if I'm communicating this effectively but that's all you, over you the are, place because it's in, all over in the, the place. It, yeah no in the conversation I actually said you know uh, you and I in our positions we're used to people kissing our butts and doing the dance around us. And I'm just, you know, I'm going to shoot you straight, you know, and talk to you like a man. It, it, you know, cause I'm, I'm not afraid to, you know, a lot of times I just, you know, particularly if I'm in church, I'm dealing with the church thing. I just stay real calm. I never confront. Right. But when I'm dealing with another leader, I always expect uh, transparency and honesty and integrity. And, you know, and, and when those things aren't there, I get really angry. Like I have to say that's when my buttons get pushed because I expect more. And often you're speaking to leaders that they have this sense of privilege, you know, because people do dance around them. And I just, you know, as a church planner, you don't get that. You know what I mean? You, you, you tend to just, you're always dealing with people 
close up and uh, you know you're not you don't have like tons of people particularly if you're a cereal planter um many many of the guys who planted 20 30 years ago they planted in an atmosphere that was an attractional model so in the 80s 90s you could plant and you would have you know the attractional thing that was where the culture was at church had had a major shift you could do the the updated modern music you could um, be a good speaker and it would draw a crowd that was the 80s that was the early 90s and that stuff has been in decline and so a lot of the guys that planted then they're they're at these churches that have thousands of people but it's all old people now and they're not drawing the culture has moved on but they haven't realized it yet and if those guys turned around and tried to plant today they probably wouldn't make it because the nature of church planting in today's culture. I know what they would say, starting... though. What's that? I know what they would say. Just preach the word. They would. And, they will and come. They, yeah, absolutely. And the attractional model, that definitely was, was a big deal in the 80s, 90s. But now if they look left and right on a Sunday, and most people were over 40. And they're still not doing what they need to do to go get the young people now. So, uh, and, and it's funny because every once in a while I'll hear guys go, well, we got young people. Yeah, but most likely they're church kids that have exactly. come up through your high school program or the school you have attached to your church. And it's just different. Like if you had, I, or, I would love or, or they stuff. think they're, they're so great at reaching the youth because their youth room is packed. And it is, it's got 50 to 60 kids in it. But you got a two thousand person church, and you're bragging about yeah. fifty to sixty kids. Yeah. Um, those numbers, they're not going to sustain. That doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and not knocking leading a mega church or any of those things, but it's just not the missional model that you need to have today to plan a church. And so, so all of that, you know, when when you are you just change. All I'm saying is you change when you're on the front lines and you're constantly having to deal with people from, uh, you know, going to a, a point in time where you've just got thousands of people and anything you say on Facebook, everybody admires it and swoons over it. And you're, you're an angel of God, you know, um, you, you watch some, of, but you do, you watch all these things and you're constantly taking trips around the world and you're here, there and everywhere. And it's quote unquote ministry. And, um, of course, the church is footing the bill and you're, you're going to cruises and you're speaking on the cruise. Like all that stuff is just weird. You know, um, hey, I'd like to have. <laughs> hey, let's do a Let's do a cruise, Pete. I think that'd be hot. Let's do church on a cruise. Church planners cruise. I dig it. But, you know, all that to say, um, you know, yeah. So I, I just find that there is a different mindset and a different mentality um, that comes. And so. Um, I don't know how we got onto that and I probably, uh, need to move on from that. So I don't <laughs> say anything really stupid. It was a rant. <laughs> it was time for this it week's rant. rant. Yeah. We, we don't always get rants in the SmackDown. Normally we talk funny. I know. I, I got nothing funny to say today. I don't either, man. Should we just, should we just call it a day and move on to our topic? Uh, perhaps, perhaps I will say this and this is totally off subject, but, um, We've been like last week was uh, <laughs> this will be funny to a lot of church planners. Um, TV is very big in our house. Uh, literally, it's 100 inches. <laughs> but 
we, we, Jamie and I watch TV and I've made the joke many a time. If it wasn't for TV, we would have been divorced years ago because why talk to each other? That's what the TV is there for. And, uh, other people aren't going to find that nearly as funny as I do, but that's all right. So, um, we've, uh, last week was a bad TV week, so they didn't have a lot of new shows. So I was looking on Netflix, trying to find a new show to watch. And I've been watching this show that I just, I really, really dig it. It is from, of all channels, uh, the home and garden channel, HGTV. And it is, um, I, I don't even remember what the name of it is, but it's essentially selling high-end real estate in New York City. And I cannot. I love that show. Have you that seen it? That show is so hot. You've seen it? Yeah, I love it. I, You know, when I see it is when I'm on vacation. Really? Dude, it's yeah. on Netflix, I, I man. I saw it. It's hot. Oh, it's on Netflix now? It's on Netflix. It's called, uh, I think it's called like Million Dollar Real Estate. Well, that's actually a different one because I, I looked for the oh, okay. show on um, on Netflix and I typed in million because that's what I thought it was. And that uh, came up another show. So I haven't seen that one. I mean, that one might be just as good. I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly what it's called. It's like, I don't know, selling high end homes or selling New York. or I don't know. But, dude, some of these homes and, and Pete was watching it going, you had me at selling, <laughs> dude. I'm like looking at that going, I kind of want to move to New York and just sell real estate because <laughs> like, like the commissions are like, it's a million dollar commission to sell this home. You know, it's $300,000 commission to sell that one. And I mean, like this one home was in Brooklyn and they're like, normally we don't do Brooklyn. I mean, there's just snooty, right? They're like, we don't go to Brooklyn. And, um, but we will for this building. And it was unbelievably gorgeous it was the penthouse of this building uh two of your windows when you looked out of them they were actually the clock that's on the side of the building like those big clocks on the side of a building so you you know were like looking out what everyone else is looking up to to see what time it is and um it was going for i think like 25 million dollars 25 million dollars wow and all I could think was, I mean, like, even when we were looking at the $3 million homes, the $5 million homes, uh, the million-dollar homes that are, like, smaller than the duplex I rented when I was first married. Like, that's how small they are. It's just unbelievably small. Um, I, I'm just looking at these going, okay, here's the crazy part. Like, they had this one guy, and he was paying 8500 a month in rent. Like, that's what his rent was was 8500. That's just crazy to me. But that the, is crazy. But when they buy the home and they're buying, you know, 2 3 5 million dollar home or whatever, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to my wife and I go, that doesn't take into account property taxes and it doesn't take into account, you know, your homeowners association fees or whatever they call it because you're in a building, which means you still have to pay fees to the building. I mean, how much is this stuff? I mean, is everyone in New York just like Making a million dollars a year? I, I don't know how they can do it. It's crazy. Pete, you need to go plant a Chinese church in Manhattan. Dude, all I could think was I was like, if I was planting a church in New York, there's almost no way you couldn't have a mega church in about five weeks. Because all you got to do is focus on one building and you've got thousands of people right there. 
Yeah, you know, it's different in New York. In fact, you know, Tim Keller, Tim Keller uh, runs a church planning intern uh, center in Manhattan out of does uh, he really? Presbyterian Church. Yeah, he does. Out of Manhattan? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Manhattan. Yeah, and, and the way it works in Manhattan is you, like any major urban area, there's a five-minute radius that you catch people from because, you know, it's not a, it's not really a, a city that you want to drive in. So you walk oh, and you take No one even has a car. Yeah. So, so to plant there, it's all local. It's a very local community in urban areas. And so even like businesses know this. This is how they... Um, how they build their businesses, they build around the five-minute radius. And churches are starting to think that way because people are educating them. Like, hey, this is where city and urban planning is. This is where companies have come in, what they've learned, and churches need to pay attention to that. You know, um, spe- Speaking of, you know, when uh, David rediscovered um, iron, you know, I mean, it had been discovered by the Philistines. They were dominant. Um, the church sometimes discovers the secular properties that help kind of uh, make it, you know, advance the kingdom. Kind of like when they invented the steam engine uh, in, um, you know, the 19th century. That's where the modern missions movement came from. Suddenly missions went nuts. It was like David discovering iron and going and whooping it up on the Philistines. Obviously, God helped him. He confessed that. But it's the same in the missions movement, you know, steam engine, boom, boom, boom. And same you know, suddenly missions took off, but, uh, it's, it's like today we need to, to track with these things and learn about the rhythms of society. If you want to infiltrate, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today on our topic. Cool. So are we, are we ready to get into this week's topic? It's time to hit the flux capacitor, my friend. All right. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. And the topic is? Launching into the holidays, baby. Because you know what's happening, right? The red cups are out at Starbucks, and uh, you're starting to feel a little chill in the air. So you know Christmas My pumpkin slice latte. <laughs> you drink that stuff? Apparently nope. it's of the devil. Nope, but um, it's devil, all over. Bobby Boucher. It's all over uh, Facebook. Oh, do you know what's in a pumpkin spice latte? Really? I thought it was healthy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, absolutely. Is that like the weirdest? Uh, the, uh, you know what's funny to me is having lived in Europe, here we're, we're still talking smack talk. Um, here, here's the deal. You know, I lived in Europe, and the funniest thing to me was to come back and watch all the Americans just on these bandwagons. And I would meet with friend after friend, relative after relative, and they, because we had been out of the country, they're like, have you heard about, and, and it was just amusing to us because Americans are, are like lemmings. The British just sit there and shake their head. Like, why are you guys always on some like hype or fad or the British are like, look, we've been around. Our civilization's been around. We're not threatened by pumpkin spice lattes. See that castle over there in the center of town? We've been here a while. Stuff doesn't, we don't sweat stuff like that. And it's just funny to see how uptight and angry Americans are about everything, including pumpkin spice latte. So I guess missionaries, if you if you want to reach America, find out a way to harness that anger <laughs> for the gospel. Why don't you offer them something other than pumpkin spice latte and see if they come? I doubt they will because they actually want the pumpkin slice latte. This is the angel lace latte. It's good for your body and for your soul. I dig it. Yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you could open your little Christian coffee shop that has, you know, I'm, I'm ridiculing now. I'll stop. So, hey, guys, we want to talk about the holidays. And before we do that, I want to kick into something that Paul said, because recently I've been talking to guys who are discouraged in the work of church planning. And discouragement, you know, it's not if you get discouraged, it's it's like Lloyd-Jones said, when discouragement comes. That was a chapter or a sermon he did, um, when discouragement comes. And that was in a book called Revival, where, you know, he was saying you're, you're seeking revival, you're seeking for things to pop, you want the presence of God to come, you don't see a lot, and you get discouraged. Now, that is common to ministry. If you, church planner, are sitting there today and you're like, you know what, I'm just... I'm discouraged, man. I mean, you know, I've been at this. I've been working hard. I'm not seeing uh, the fruit that I wanted to see. Just know that that's normal, right? Because you're probably sitting there asking the questions, am I called to this? Am I really a church planner? And I can tell you that I ask those questions. I even still ask those questions. Um, But I've asked those questions my entire ministry, and I know I'm called. Like, I absolutely know I'm called. But the funny thing is, is that when you're church planning, it can be very, very lonely. And nobody, it's kind of like that old saying, you know, the providences of God are like Hebrew letters. They can only be read backwards. So you, you've got you've to push through where you're at now to look back and to see, oh, I was in God's will. Or, you know, you, you're never going to know. Like, it's hard. Just know this, that if you have chosen to plan a church, you have chosen the hardest thing you can possibly do in ministry. You know, uh, in an established church, it has its challenges for sure, but a lot of guys don't run anything. They preach, they speak, uh, they don't even counsel, they don't do weddings, they don't do any of that. They're, they're secluded. They travel the world, they sit with people, drink coffee, they read books, and they talk. And it is like a dream job. You're like a celebrity, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, I'm not saying every pastor in megachurch does that. A lot of guys work really hard. But what I'm saying is you've chosen the opposite of that, right? You've chosen to go where there's little reward and hard work. And so when Paul talks to Timothy, he tells Timothy, hey, look at the hardworking farmer, how he he patiently uh, waits for the harvest. And so there's two dynamics there. And I just want to preface what we're going to say about the holidays with this. In one sense, there's a, there's a waiting and there's patience, endurance. That is the number one quality that every church planner needs to have is endurance. Um, because you have to have this faith that I'm here, I've been called by God, and I'm not seeing anything right now. It's kind of like when uh, Elijah and Elisha, uh, Elijah's praying and he sends Elisha out and he, he says, what do you see? And he, he says, I see nothing. Or maybe it's Elisha and this, I can't remember. And, uh, <laughs> the Bible, um, you know, but it, you know, he sends him out and, and the servant keeps going out and going, I see nothing. And then he comes back and says, I only see a little, little cloud, the size of a man's hand. And he sends him out five times. Right. And, and so, uh, James comes that and he says, Look, you know, keep praying. Uh, he was a man like us and he didn't give up, right? He God heard him, he kept praying. And so endurance is a key to doing this work. And so Paul is telling Timothy, look, Timothy, um, be inspired by the farmer. You're farming, 
right? You're, you're, you're going to see fruit, but you have to be patient. You have to endure the time where it seems like nothing is happening. You're waiting, waiting. But at the same time, what I love about Paul is he chooses his words very carefully whenever he writes anything. There's never a wasted word with the Apostle Paul. And the thing that he says before that is he says, consider the hardworking farmer. So yes, there's a period of waiting, but um, church planner, if you're in a place where you're like, oh, well, I have been waiting. You know, kind of like we were talking earlier where we are saying like some church planners, they kind of, uh, some of the guys maybe 20, 30 years ago, they just, you know, they had the field of dreams. If you build it, it will come. They rent a hall. They preach faithfully verse by verse. Um, the, you know, the modern worship band, a few advertisements. That was that was the new thing. You know, churches had moved on from Baptist, Presbyterian, you know, cultures like, oh, I want to see something new, something relaxed, casual dress. All that was a draw. That stuff's not a draw anymore. But, you know, all of the, the if, if you're just throwing a service like it was the 80s or 90s and thinking, oh, you know, if I just preach faithfully on a Sunday and have a Bible study, people will come. Well, that's not what Paul's talking about. That didn't work in the first century. It worked in the 80s and 90s. It's not going to work today. Okay, so you need to focus on, yes, I need to be patient, but only if I have the first part of that, and that is I'm looking to the hardworking farmer for my inspiration, looking to the patient farmer for my encouragement after I've worked hard. So if you've ever known a farmer, uh, they work their butt off. I lived in a rural community for three years in Wales. There's a university town in the middle of nowhere, and I lived just outside of town. All my neighbors had tracts of land. They were all farmers. And uh, these guys worked ceaselessly. They were up super, super early, and they worked in the dark. I remember seeing them work. I'd come home. They're still out there working because it was all based, you know, they, they had to work their butts off in order to see a yield. So what we're going to talk about today is some of the hard work part. We're coming into a season, and like farming, there are seasons, um, seasons. Seasons of, of more hard work like the harvest, um, there's seasons of sowing, and the Bible uses that um, as you know a model for the work we do to reach lost people, sowing, watering, and harvesting, and waiting, obviously. Um, so I want to talk about that because uh, we're in a season now that is an opportune season for sowing, watering, and harvesting, okay, all at once. There is no time to reach lost people like the holidays. And so I want to talk about that. And Pete, we did a, a whole episode last year on one of the outreaches that we did, and we'll continue to do that outreach. Be really exciting to see what happens this year because we had hundreds of people. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people coming through the doors last year. Are you talking um, about the uh, Santa? Yeah, we did. Uh, well, go ahead and talk about it for a minute. I'll I'll let you kind of. I don't even remember. Um, you'd have to go back and play that episode. I think we yeah. just we did uh, pictures with Santa, and we had like the skinniest Santa ever. Because yeah, but he had the beard. Because he had, he had beard, the beard, a white beard that goes down to his nipples, and he had. Oh, by the way, his uh, costume didn't show nipples. It wasn't that kind of Santa <laughs> costume. It actually uh, covered. But but I'm just saying, you know. Uh, his chest line. It, it, that's where the beard went. But we had pillows, so we puffed him up a bit. Yeah, you would have to puff him up a bit because he's he's. Uh, I think the politically correct term is scrawny. 
he was scrawny, but he's crazy. He was the smartest Santa ever. Guy helped invent the uh, uh, compact disc. Compact disc, and his dad helping. You know, was part of the team that developed the nuclear bomb. Yeah, so he's got a proud legacy. <laughs> he does. His his kids are smart. So here's the deal. Um, we did this thing, cookie. You know, we called it cookie party, and then we put like, hey, free presents, and we're in an inner city neighborhood, so we got all these to- toys donated. We went to stores and had them donate. We we just did this radical toy drive, um, and you know we partnered with businesses. We did all this cool stuff, and we did pictures of Santa because in the inner city you don't have enough money to go down to Sears or J.C. Penney's and you know the shopping mall and get your like that's a part of culture that these people never have. But they've seen it. They've watched movies. They, you know, they 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 see this stuff, but it's just not a part of their world. And so we said, well. How could we like really serve this community? Well, let's do, uh, you know, family pictures for these guys and then let's do homemade cookies. That was for me. I just wanted those and, um, and toys because many of these people, you know, it's rough times don't have presents for their kids and single mom, you know, the alcoholics, you know, the, and we're just like, let's just do it, you know? And, um, and it went nuts, man. Absolutely. And then Ruben was like, I just want to show the Peanuts movie. That's it. That's all I want to do is show the Peanuts movie. We had a, a magician come in, a really good magician, um, like world class, really good stuff. One of the best I've seen. And uh, he um, he came in and did a little presentation, tied the gospel into it. It was really cool. Good night. What's the Peanuts movie? Because all I'm thinking of is... Uh... I know the the uh, Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, but I don't I don't know the oh, dude. dude. You don't know about uh, the the Christmas movie with uh, Charlie Brown? It's like you can buy the CD at Starbucks and everything. I don't remember it then. No. Oh my gosh, dude! You got to get that. And they have like the little nativity play and stuff. It's hilarious. I can't tell you how many like times Woodstock I've used the line Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've used the line from the uh, Charlie Brown Great Pumpkin. There's three things you can never talk about. Politics, religion, and the Great Pumpkin. That's awesome, dude. Uh, we're not going to talk about the Great Pumpkin on this show. We'll talk about religion, and we won't talk about politics. Some have argued pumpkin. that I am the Great Pumpkin, but uh, I deny it. Uh, you know, you are the unknown cyclist. That's all I'm saying. I um, am not the unknown cyclist. He died of AIDS. So. Hashtag behind the cape. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, this is going so, downhill so fast. It is. And so, you know, true to Church Planner podcast style, here's the deal. Um, you need to um, not just sit back and be passive. This is the time of year you need to be um, active in getting your cards, you know, invite cards out to the community. But you do. You need to draw. Like, uh, ironically, people will come to a service more at this time, the CNE crowd, um, Christmas and Easter more than than ever before. But I would even suggest that if you do an outreach, you don't do it on a Sunday. You don't make your outreach church necessarily. Um, that that's one of the things that that church leaders, I, I guess, because that's what they do. Like that's their job is running Sundays a lot. Um, that when they think of outreach, they limit themselves. Well, how do we get people to to church on Sunday? Um, well, that's cool and everything. Um, Christmas Eve services are popular with non-believers. Midnight Mass, a lot of people grew up with that. 
that is a big draw. People get a little nostalgic around this time of year and they start going, you know, the, the memories come back of Christmas, going to church, all that kind of stuff. And people, when they get a family and start having kids, they start thinking about that. Like, am I raising my kids in the way that my parents raised me? Should I raise my, should my kids have some spiritual stuff? Should my kids know about Jesus being born on Christmas? And they start thinking, we all know people who send their kids to Sunday school and don't go to church. And so this is the time to reach out to those people. And particularly for completely unchurched people, um, like I said, you don't do it on a Sunday. A Sunday, I, I have what's called a two-tier approach. And Pete, as a marketer, I'm sure you you know what to actually call this, probably bad marketing. But uh, w- what I do is I always have events that are outside of Sunday. And then um, I, I pitch Sunday or it, it's kind of like, like when you're dating someone, right? You don't say, hey, let's go out to dinner. You start off with coffee. In case you don't like them, you didn't blow 50, 60 bucks, right? Um, it's the same thing. People have this kind of non-committal. They don't want to come to church on the first date with your with your people. They they want something that's more like a family night or um, something outside of the Sunday. And so that's the first thing I'd say is plan an outreach that is either they come to you for something that you do for them, um, something you offer them, or you go to them, right? Like you go to the inner city and you give toys away in that neighborhood. You go door to door and you talk to parents. What do you need? You know, boom, boom, boom. Cool. That's just one idea. I like it. There's a lot of different ideas. But, I mean, there's things you can do. You can have a carol singing. You can go carol singing. You can get on people's doors. It's it's okay, right, to, to go to people's doors and sing to them at this time. You can't knock on people's doors, strangers' doors. I don't doors. know that I've ever Maybe. seen anyone do that in, like, I don't know, 15 years. You know, you know what's funny? We went, we went to um, Wales, UK, right? And we we're in that farming community I was talking about. And we had a village. Um, my, my village, uh, <laughs> um, if you've ever seen a, a show called Little Britain, which is like a sketch show, it's probably on the BBC. There's, um, there's a, a, a funny skit they do about Clandui Brevi. I was the next village over from Clandui Brevi. And uh, so we had this village and it was like this little community. And my wife and I said, hey, we should go Christmas caroling. The village stinking loved it. The whole village, like everyone involved with the village community, went out and just went Christmas caroling. And it it just, I don't know, man. Like then they asked me to speak at the Christmas. They had like a little chapel that wasn't really in use. And they asked me to speak, do a Christmas thing there. Because we volunteered to do this other thing. You serve community to reach community. I've said that a million times on here. But you can get creative. But you just, I like to milk the whole what people grew up with. And I even go slightly more traditional. I bust out the candles at Christmas, man. I do the whole like, you know, I want people to go back to when they're children. And they believed in God, you know, like kids do. I want to to see those things stirred up in them. And I believe that the Holy Spirit uses that. And I just think if you're thinking like a farmer, you're looking at the seasons, like Jesus said. You know, he says to him, look, you know how to, to look at the sky um, and predict when there's going to be rain. And, but you don't know 
when the time of your visitation or the time of the harvest is. And he was ticked off at him for that. And I, I think as religious leaders, we need to be able to read the skies. We need to be able to read the times and the culture around us and to see when people are ripe for the harvest. And this is the time of year where I just, I can't stress enough. This is the time. Go nuts. Um, promote your church. Get in the, in front of the community. Have toy drives. Partner with Starbucks. Put a big sign of your church on there. Um, get on the bulletin board, you know. Um, you can, you're forgiven this time of year for doing all kinds of stuff. If that makes sense that people find annoying other times of the year. Hmm. Cool. So what about, um, fundraising at this time of year? What are your thoughts on that? Well, this, this time of year is, um, charities typically, and we're going to talk more about this in jump school because I, I, I actually like I'm really big on this. People don't know a lot of this stuff. And there are uh, strategies you can use uh, for this time of year to get people, you know, to, to be thinking about their end of year giving. And um, for example, like uh, most charities, they get 50 percent of their annual income uh, this time of year. So if if you ever notice like Chuck Swindoll. He'll send you stuff. If you have ever given him your email, he'll send you stuff. And you'll start seeing uh, emails come in from ministries going, hey, and stuff coming through your door. Hey, it's because of the IRS, the end of the tax year, you can get huge tax write-offs for giving now. And so people do that. So if you're not thinking about that as a church, if you want to fuel next year's mission and you're like, hey, we don't have any money, now is the time to jump on that with your people and to let them know, hey, you can either give it to the IRS or you can give it to us and get a tax write-off. And so that's something I'm really, really big on, specifically because Jesus said, hey, Christians suck. They're not very wise with, that's Peyton Jones' paraphrase of what Jesus said. But he said, hey, the children of the kingdom have always been unwise in their use of the money. The children of the world are much wiser in how they use their money. Hmm. And so, you know, we need to be strategic. We need to be wise and we need to let people know, hey, now's the time to give. And you'll see a huge bolus if you play your cards right and use a strategy. And we're going to talk about that in jump school. If you haven't signed up for jump school, sign up, man. And, you know, even if you sign up now, you'll be in month one. But if you sign up this month, you're like, I want to know that strategy. We will forward you some information so you can have it now when you need it. I dig it. So the other thing, guys, um, you know, postcards. Um, this time of year, you ought to be doing postcards. Let me just tell you what we do. Um, for example, like right now, I got a, a guy who does graphic design, a guy named Dan, and he's making us up something. What I like to do, and, and you'll, you'll see how uh, every year I do something different. So like my first year, it was like um, had a picture of the, the manger. I do a series. I always stop whatever series I'm in. And starting with the first week after Thanksgiving, I do a Christmas series. And I want my people to know, I tell them, I give them the vision. Guys, this is a time where people come. I want you to, I don't do this all year. I'm not always constantly going, bring your friends, please. It's To me, it's not about making the church big. It's about reaching lost people. And so I really do a push for our people to bring people and to say, hey, we got this Christmas series starting up. And, and you know, like the average non-believer isn't like, really? Wow, I'll be down right away. Um, but, but the reality is, um, again, it's milking that. People are more likely to come at this time. And so well, you, what, you, you, what, 
do you call the series? Because, I mean, if you're going to do effective advertising, postcards, things like that, um, you, you got to have a, a hook, right? You got to have yeah. a title that's going to grab people in. So when you say a Christmas series, what are some of your hooks that you would use? So okay, talking about the nostalgia, right? Um, what we would do is we would do like, um, you know, I'm going to hit this year. It's going to be called Home for Christmas. And right away, like we're in California, man, like there, there are tons of people like in the community I'm in right now, um, I'm in a, in a Marine town, right? I'm in Oceanside and tons of people here. I mean, just looking down my streets, Colorado, Tennessee plates, everybody's from somewhere else. So, you know, what's that? I didn't say anything. So, um, you know, Home for Christmas is the name of our series, and it's it's tapping into that nostalgia. Now, I don't think that that necessarily that title is going to be like a huge, oh, I I better go to that church, but it's going to stir up those feelings of home, and 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 so for me, it's a very indirect way of trying to get people right away. I'm tapping into that. I'm tapping into the link that I have seen. Everywhere in America, in in the UK, it's the same. People grew up going to church, even though the culture in Europe has moved on. People grew up with that tradition. So um, years ago, I was I was reading a, a testimony of a guy, and he was sitting there, you know, drinking his his hard liquor on a Christmas Eve, and uh, the BBC would run these programs, and it was carol singing, and he said, "Now I just heard these carols." on the TV, you know, and the choirs and all that stuff in Britain, you know, they're pretty uh, artsy fartsy at times. And he, he goes, and I just started weeping. He's like, and I, I didn't know why, like, why am I crying? And, you know, guys like a factory worker, kind of a tough dude. And he said, you know, here I am like 56, 57 years old. And all this emotion started weighing in on me and he got saved right there. You know, he goes, I didn't, I didn't know. I just, I thought about the words and, I just connected and I felt like I connected with God right where I was at. He didn't know a thing about the gospel, didn't know anything, but the power of the Holy Spirit came on him just through going through that channel of, you know, uh, all of his experiences as a kid. And I think when you see how many people are saved in evangelical churches, if you go in and you say, how many are Catholic? And like 70% of the people in evangelical churches will raise their hand about 70%, sometimes as high as 90. Um, that uh, foundation that was laid is powerful in people, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, I got some thoughts on obviously advertising, if you want my opinion. Well, stick to what you know about Pete, and uh, I'll keep it. No, no, go for it, man. Because I'll, I'll talk. I'll come back and talk about the series, and then I'll, I'll share with them some things that might be helpful if they want to do their own series. I would just suggest a, a couple of key things if you're going to be doing any type of advertising to the community. Um, what you say on the postcard is way more important than how it looks, and um, yes. that that obviously very much flies in the face of every quote unquote marketing guru out there will always tell you about, well, you got to be building your brand, the brand of your church and all this other baloney that's never going to actually pan out. So um, what I would actually suggest two things. One, if you're going to do postcards, you need to be using 
the EDDM program from the post office. Every door direct mail. We've talked about it before on the po- <coughs> excuse me <coughs> on the podcast. And what it is, uh, it is a program that the post office has that allows you to mail a postcard up to nine inches by twelve inches, so much larger than a sheet of paper. Uh, for seventeen cents, uh, seventeen and a half cents a home. So you can do what we refer to in marketing as carpet bombing your community for literally dirt cheap, just pennies. Um, it's usually cheaper than even doing the nonprofit postage. Uh, but you need to look into that for your community. It's certainly a lot easier. And, uh, I mean, we did that once for uh, Refuge Long Beach. And, I mean, we're in such a densely populated neighborhood that I don't even think we went out a quarter of a mile radius from the church. And we already had like 10,000 people. Like we've just got apartment buildings everywhere. Um, yeah. So you can really just carpet bomb a neighborhood. But what I would say before you spend the money and um, have that postcard printed and you can do this today, right? So we're still in November and you go, well, how do I know if my message is going to work? Because you're about ready to spend, I don't know what you're going to spend, $500,000, $1,500 in printing and then double that for postage to reach your community. The quickest and most effective way, I think, to test your message to see if it pulls is to actually uh, duplicate the message on Facebook and you run a Facebook ad. And um, you can judge how well that ad is going to work based on how it works on Facebook. And we do that type of stuff all the time. Like back in the day when people used to have yellow pages, we would actually test it before. Cause like when you do a yellow page ad, you sign up for the whole year, right? So your ad better work cause it's going to be in there for the next 12 months. And the best way to test it is we would take it and we'd send it out as a postcard. Well now before you even send it out as a postcard, you can test it on Facebook and you can test it literally over the next three days and know what, what the results are going to be. And the cool thing about Facebook is um, if you haven't run any Facebook ads, it is a great way to advertise for your church because you can uh, zero in on people based on where they live. So their zip code or their city, you can um, on a, on a side note, I don't, I don't really know how you would use this for your church. Uh, Perhaps you could, but you could even target people who give to religious charities. So like if you were looking to do fundraising for your church, I mean, you could actually run ads on Facebook to people who give to religious charities, um, which is just kind of cool that you could even zero it in like that. I was having this conversation with a, a church planner, um, a Methodist church planner, and, and we were talking about running Facebook ads for church and stuff. And he goes, you know, what would you do? If it was for a church and I said, well, what I would do is I would pick a, a subject that is going to resonate with the community. Now, the message that I give is going to be a, a gospel based message, but I, the title that I give it is going to resonate with the community. And then once I've got them in front of me, I'm going to make the connection between the title and the message of Jesus, if that makes sense. So a lot of people want to like, oh, you know, it's all about the resurrection and they're going to throw that in the title. Well, it is. But is that going to resonate with the lost or the saved? Yeah. It's going to resonate with the well, saved. That was it. Like, that's like on it. our Easter uh, postcard, I think our Easter postcard would make religious people really mad. Oh, because um, it had the Easter bunny on it? 
had the Easter bus bunny on the back and he had his butt bit off, had a big bite out of his butt. And he said, get your, get your tail back in church this, this, uh, Sunday or this Easter or something. Cause you know, the CNE crowd, people go, but also on the cover, that was the back. And then I had the church times on the cover was like free community Easter egg hunt. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, uh, you know, had a big picture of an egg and a field and stuff like that. And, you know, people would be like, what about Jesus? And so, you know, it's like, well, yeah, like there's no bait and switch. Like we put a scripture somewhere. I don't remember where, but we put a scripture on there and we said, hey, come party down. What's that? <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> like it was in the we, footnote. <laughs> no, no, we we put something about, you know, come party, party down with us. I mean, it's a celebration, right? But no, in religious circles, you have to say celebration. You can't say party down, right? Uh, we're partying down, man. That's what celebration means, right? You read in the in the New Testament about the feast, right? The feast was, that was partying hard. And I don't mean getting drunk, but we have all these things where we're like, we just can't be real. Like, we can't talk natural. It's like what I was saying about pastors earlier. It gets religious and it gets weird, right? Mm. If you want to reach religious people, talk about a celebration, and if you want to reach lost people, talk like people talk. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And so, you know, and you're right, man, because... Uh, in marketing, we call it enter the conversation that's already going on in their mind. Amen. Amen. So here's Absolutely. my point. Back to the Methodist guy. My point was, he's like, you know, what kind of Facebook ads would you run? And I said, I would run something that's going to resonate with the people. So, for instance, let's say you were going to do some sort of... Uh, series on divorce or something you would come up with a great title and then you would advertise on facebook you'd say okay i want people who are right around the church so you just plug in a facebook okay i want them in long beach or you know whatever this zip code and i want them to have uh changed on their um life status uh, I recently want them to have changed, you know, from married to divorced or it's complicated or separated. Like those are actual statuses, right? right on Facebook, if you've ever seen them, you know, someone will say uh, marriage status, it's complicated or marriage status, right. uh, you know, separated, whatever. And you can actually run ads to those people for your subject, right? And you're going to attract a certain amount of them to you. And yeah. that's what we call, you know, entering the conversation that's already going on in their head. And that's how you you do more effective advertising than just, you know, the run and gun. The, hey, I'm going to uh, put out a, a postcard because we've got a church service on Christmas. Ooh, wow, that's unique. No one else has ever thought of that. You know, you got to exactly you got to have something that's going to like grab their attention. Exactly. You you have to think at this time of year, you have to think. If I'm Joe Nonbeliever down the street from my church, what would get me to go? And you can say, oh, that's not very, um, very holy. Or, you know, I just need to put the Bible verse on there and just hope that's enough. You know, well, you're, you're not actually being a good missionary by thinking like that. They don't care about the Bible. Like, do you realize that about nonbelievers that they don't care about that? Like, don't bait and switch by any means, you know, but... Um, it was like when we did the night, the outreach night on Doomsday, uh, uh, the Bible and the end of the world. And, you know, that whole thing, that is the conversation. I actually devised that outreach because anytime someone found out I was a pastor, they asked me about it. I'm like, oh, I got to I gotta speak to this. It is the conversation already going on. 
And so with the Christmas stuff, home for the holidays is what people feel. People get lonely. It's why there's high uh, suicide rates. People are far from their loved ones. They reflect on the failure of their lives. People are very, very open to spiritual things. They're just jacked up, right? And so, you know, the reality is that home for the holidays, our whole theme is God. And the, we don't put on there, you know, this topic on this week is this. They, they don't care, right? But what I will do on it is like what Pete said, I will put the draws on there. I'll put the title of what it is and I'll say when the time is, you know, we'd like to see you in Christmas Eve service. And, and then I will put the stuff about the cookie party, the toy drive, the um, pictures of Santa or whatever. And we're just going to do that again this year because it worked so well. We don't feel like, oh, we need to, you know, this year we need to do skydiving dressed as Santa. You know, we, we don't feel we got to like top it. You know, this is something we gave to the community two years in a row. First year, by the way, if you do do a new outreach, just know that they usually suck the first year and just be, be prepared for that. A lot of work, very little fruit. And I remember at the end of the first year, I told everyone, well done. We did an awesome job. There wasn't as many people. I think there was only like 50 to 70 people that turned up last year. Like I said, man, I'd, I'd be surprised if we weren't like 400 people, right? Um, that place was constant turnover. We took the entire three hours to get family after family through there um, and just ended right at the three hour mark. And uh, so it was, it was cool, man. It just, you know, you want to, um, you, you want to have the draw in there. You know, and like I said, if you can do it a different night, but as far as the postcards, um, some of you guys are going, oh man, I can't afford, um, boom, boom, boom. If you're really poor and you don't have the money to invest the 500,000 bucks, listen, prioritizing, if you have the money, now's the time to invest it. This is the time of year to spend, right? There are other times of the year to save. This is the time, the one time where you go nuts, right? Even if you don't have a lot of money, you, you invest. Um, you can share that with your church, get them to, to splurge out, maybe give the church a little Christmas gift and, um, you know, you, you do that, but also You'd be too, surprised at you, how many people stand up and say, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give it to that. It's like, if you yeah. take to the church and you say, Hey guys, here's how we want to reach the community. Um, we've already priced out. This is what it's going to cost us to print these. This is what it's going to cost us for mail. Um, would you be willing to stand up and and contribute to this above and beyond what you already give to the church? If you would, let us know in the back because we want to see if we can get enough money to actually do this. If we can't, we're going to come up with another plan. And you'd be surprised at how many people will step up and say, yeah, you know what, I'll give a couple of hundred extra bucks for that or, you know, a thousand, whatever. You never know what they'll do. Dude, like seriously, in a little church plant like ours, people sometimes drop checks I, I won't even say the amount, like insane amounts. Like I can't, I can't, I'm not going to disclose it because it's someone's offering, but how much like up in the, I want to like know up in the, <laughs> no dude, I, it, it's crazy. And can we get <laughs> them to sponsor the podcast? What's up? What's going on? 50, 50, 50. <laughs> no, but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, you can go to sites if you guys are like, Oh man, I don't even have a graphic designer and I suck and blah, blah, blah. Um, go to creationswap.com. Uh, creationswap.com is where guys who have projects they worked on for churches where the church didn't either buy the rights to it or didn't like it or whatever it is, they put all their public domain stuff up there. And there is awesome, awesome stuff up there. So if you're like, hey, like we're having our guy make one 
to fit our series. But then, you know, you give those, you get them printed up. Gotprint.com is the cheapest I've ever found. Um, you get them printed up. Boom. You, you, you give them to your church. You have them pass them out. You do the EDT thing, like Pete said, with the post office. Done. Boom. And then you do the Facebook stuff like Pete's talking about. That's that's something that churches haven't gotten a hold of yet necessarily. A lot of the younger church planners know this. But um, well, you, Facebook you get stuff on there you could you do and it would actually be the cheapest thing. Like if you don't have let's say you were gonna send out I don't know, um, a thousand postcards would cost uh one hundred and seventy five dollars in postage and just say double that for printing. Right, so you're looking at 350 bucks to send out a thousand postcards. If you're like, you know, that's a little bit too much. We don't have that. We got 150 because we got a small church. I mean, if 150 on Facebook is actually a lot, like you could probably get a lot of your neighborhood with 150 bucks. I mean, it's insane what the reach that you can get. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you're talking like if you had a video that you did because you can do video advertising on Facebook. It would cost you literally cents of view, like three cents of view for your video. I yeah. mean, the amount of people you can reach is just mind boggling. It it is. And you know, it it like you said, for bang for buck, it it is a better way to go, you know. And I would say do both. You know, creation swap, you can print up like, you know, that's free. Then you get got print, you do it, even if you just want people to have something to hand out, but you're like, we're gonna spend most of our budget on Facebook. That's not a bad plan at all, you know? So, um, but you know, here's the thing guys, you know, regardless to sum all of this up, like we started, um, this is a seasonal thing, just like farming is a seasonal occupation and we need to read the times, but we need to sow, you know, Paul, uh, ends in, in talking about, um, you know, the, the gospel and the good news going to the Jews and the Gentiles. And he says, look, how are they going to believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless someone goes to him? And he, he puts evangelism back at our feet and says, look, um, you need to sow. You know, you, if you, he who does not, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And so what I'm saying to you is, guys, this is the season for sowing right now. When you see the holidays approaching, this is the time to roll up your sleeves, put your hand on the plow, and to get to work. This is the time to, to get up on it and to start going aggro. So that's that's it for today's episode. That's all I got to say. Pete, you got anything to add? Check, please. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been the Church Planner Podcast today, reminding you that if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music.